0: So if you got your Bibles this morning, who's got them with you? Okay, all right. That sounds exciting. We are going to get into the Word this morning as we do every Sunday. Aren't you thankful for the Word of God, that it is alive, it is active? You know, the Word even tells us it's sharper than two-edged sword. And so what we're going to get into the Word this morning, I'm so thankful that, of course, it brings life to us, but at the same time, it may bring some correction. Anybody enjoy a good correction once in a while? All right, and the rest of you? Yeah, it hurts so good. And that's what the word, I'm so thankful for the word. We never change the word of God to match our belief system. We change our belief system to match up with the word of God. And so whenever we approach the word, I mean, we approach it with reverence. I mean, how you approach the word is how you approach him. And so I don't know about you, but I believe that with all my heart, that as we get into these days, as we go further into this, that there is a revival in the Bible amongst the body of Christ, that there is this hunger and this desire to know the Lord through his word. Because his word never changes, therefore he never changes. So it's so good that you could throw your complete trust to what he says, because he doesn't change. And you know, the Lord has had us over the course of these, this period of time to really take the time to establish our hearts in Grace. Yeah, okay. And you know, I'm going to read it to you. The God's God's Word translation says it like this, gaining inner strength from God's grace is actually good for you. And the reason now why is it important for our heart to be established in grace? One is this is because we want we know how to relate to God. In this dispensation that we live in called grace. And this is over a period of time we discuss the dispensations or the ages that we're going through and that we're living in. And that since the cross of Christ 2,000 years ago, the dispensation changed to now this dispensation called grace. So if you and I aren't living in the proper dispensation, the one previous to this one that we were just in was the law. If we're trying to live in the law or based on our performance in this day of grace, you'll be very frustrated. Jesus updated the software, and you and I have got to keep in touch with the software update, or you're going to be way behind still flipping that phone. Amen. Anybody still got a flip phone? I saw one the other day. I go, man, that is awesome. Anybody enjoy a good hang-up on the old flip phone? Yes. You, just, and you just slap it. <laughs> now it's... Ugh. But now it just feels so much better. But even that, so even that, this time that we're living in is this dispensation called grace. And it's crucial for us because now that God's stance towards the human race is grace. So we got to really get this for the church at large, the stance of God is grace. So how he looks at the world, how he deals with humanity is grace, right? Okay. And a great example for this is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. It says this, by grace, say with me, by grace. So that's God's goodness, his unmerited favor towards you on our behalf. His grace, you have been saved now through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So we see everything God does now in this dispensation of grace is through his grace. So again, if I'm not established in this grace, it's going to be really hard to relate to him. I'm going to try a bunch of different things. I'm going to be looking for goosebumps over here. I'm going to be looking for rules over here. You're all over the map, but he wants you and I to get our hearts established in this grace, okay? Secondly now... When you get your heart established in grace, I'm establishing my heart in truth, and truth is not just some kind of thought out there. Truth is a man. His name is Jesus Christ. So when I establish my heart in grace, I'm establishing my heart in truth, and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. John chapter 1, verse 17. It says that the law was given through Moses, but now grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now not taking the time to establish my heart in grace or in saying it this way, not taking the time to establish my heart in the finished works of Christ and what he did. By default now, my heart may go into fear, a whole bunch of natural things that are out there, but it could also be that I actually get my heart established in self-righteousness, that I'm looking to establish my relationship with God and what I do in my works and how good I've been on how long I've prayed and what's the result of that self-righteousness really is a form of pride. Well, Lord, the Lord, you I deserve to be healed. I deserve to be blessed because, well, you should see my church record. It's really good right now. I haven't missed one in a lot of weeks, so it's really good. Even when there's a leap year, I still show up. Like, we try to perform, God, I deserve healing because, like, I, I prayed. I, I did this. I did that. Like, it's a crazy mindset, crazy concept. So we've got to establish our hearts in grace in what he's already done. God doesn't owe us anything. But in his kindness and his mercy, he has provided everything. So we've really got to learn how to basically do this dance with God. What does it look like? How do I flow with him? Make sense? Now, the gospel of grace is a huge deal in the mind of God. Can you say it with me? Huge. huge. All right. Say it like Donald Trump now. Huge. huge. All, right, all right. Just because he says huge like that, that's all I was pointing out. It is a big deal to God. The gospel of grace. In fact, Jesus, as he left this earth, ascended on high, he told his disciples, which now is you and I, to go into all the world, Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And what is our message? To preach. Come on, say it with me. To preach what? To preach the law to every creature. To preach how rotten every creature is. No. What did he tell us to preach? The good news or the gospel to every creature. And this gospel is jumping up and down good news. like, And that's what I think a lot of times we have to get that. It is so good news that I don't even know what to do with myself. It is that good. So that's what we're going to take the time to talk about today is the jumping up and down good news. What you could not do for yourself, he did it on your behalf. That's good news. Okay. And it's such good news, I mean, of course, the Apostle Paul, this was his calling, this was his message, was to go around the entire Gentile regions and preach the gospel of grace to everywhere that he could possibly go. And I want you to see this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 5, and he, you know, starts off explaining and talking to the the church in Colossae and how, man, their faith and their love for the Lord has been heard around that region, and it's powerful, it's amazing, and he's praying for them, he says, your faith and your love, it rises within you as you access all the treasures of your inheritance stored up for you in the heavenly realm. For the revelation, now look at this, the revelation of the true gospel is as real today as the day you first heard of our glorious hope, now that you have believed in the truth of the gospel. Now, verse six, this is the wonderful message that is being spread everywhere. What is this message being spread? The gospel of grace is being spread everywhere. And what is it doing? It is powerfully changing hearts throughout the earth. Come on, y'all. What is the message that changes hearts across the earth? It's the gospel of grace. It's the good news of what Jesus has done. And it's not just for those that don't know the Lord. It's still good when you're inside the church now, when you become a born again child of God and you are his child, the grace of God still impacts you today. Going on, continue on. It says, just like it has changed You, every believer of this good news, bears the fruit of eternal life as they experience the reality of God's grace. So God's grace was not designed just to be talked about, it was to be experienced every day of a believer's life. Not about you, but that's something that I'm striving for, Lord, I want to see this. And now this gospel of grace is such a huge deal that the Lord actually put the book of Galatians in your New Testament so that you and I actually see and lay hold that he ain't playing around with any other gospel. And of course, there is no other gospel. And that's what we're going to see here in Galatians chapter 1. Turn there with me, if you would, for a moment. Verses 4 and 5, you're going to see real clearly. All right, start in verse 3. It says, I pray over you a release of the blessing of God's undeserved kindness and total well-being that flows from our Father, God, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, verse 4, he's, anointed, he's the anointed Messiah who offered himself as the sacrifice for our sins He has taken us out of this evil world system and set us free through our salvation just as God desired. Now, verse 4, right here, Galatians 1, 4, this is the gospel in a nutshell, right here. Okay, now guys, go to verse 5 with me. Now he says this, all the glory will go to God alone throughout time and eternity, amen. Now verse six, he goes right into this. He says, I am shocked over how quickly that you have strayed away from the one, Jesus, who has called you into the grace of Christ. I'm frankly astounded that you now embrace a distorted or a different gospel. Verse seven, this is a fake gospel. We're gonna find out what it is. That is simply not true. There is only one gospel, the gospel of the Messiah, yet you have allowed those who mingle law, previous dispensation, with this new dispensation of grace to confuse you with lies. Sometimes you go, man, this Christian stuff is just so confusing. Do you know why it's confusing? You've mixed performance with grace. You've added Jesus plus you to the equation equals my blessing, and that will not work. This God dispensation we're living in is all about Jesus and me now learning to respond to what he's already done. So much of the Christian world is trying to get God to do something. He's already done it. So what do we need? A spirit of wisdom and revelation to see what's already been done so that my stance now is not in this place of, oh, give me, give me, give me, give me. Rather now I'm releasing what he's already done and telling what darkness can and cannot do in and through my life. That's who you and I are. And that's the authority he gave us. Now, verse eight, he says, anyone who comes to you with a different message than the grace gospel that you have received will have the curse of God upon them. Woo, come on now. This isn't just joking around. God doesn't mince words, does he? Verse Continue on verse nine. He says, even if we or an angel appeared before you. So this is talking, you get a dream one night and all of a sudden you get a revelation of a different gospel. Shut that down right away. You shut that up because it's not true. This is the only gospel you and I believe and we have. If we appeared before you to give you a different gospel than the one that we have already proclaimed, God's curse will be upon them. And then he says one more time, verse 9, I will make it clear. Can you just see this father figure, the great apostle, is now, let me be clear, anyone no matter who they are, that brings you a different gospel than the grace gospel that you have received, let them be condemned and let them be cursed. Strong words. So in the eyes of God, the gospel of grace is a major deal. So what do we do if it's a big deal to God? It needs to be a big deal to his kids. What's a little deal to God needs to be a little deal to kids, right? Rather, a lot of times we kind of get the opposite. We are so, you know, on fire and ready to fight no matter what on the little things. And meanwhile, we kind of forget the big stuff. So you and I have to continually, Lord, what is a big, big thing to you? What's big in your eyes? I'm going to make it big inside of me as well. And so this is where we get now the Christian life, as we said, is about depending on Jesus' perfect obedience to the Father on my behalf. Okay? We're good? We're good? We're, does that make sense? Come on, help me out here this morning, y'all. This is this is what the Christian life is. Aren't you thankful that I don't have a you know a bunch of bulls out here that we got to slit their throats and throw blood all over you? That's already been done. <laughs> okay. Maybe some of you are like it'd be kind of cool to try as an experiment. Yeah, maybe maybe for a law day. We'll, we'll, I'm totally kidding. So I'm just better to stop right there. Okay, Romans 5, chapter five. Let's read this, verse eighteen. He says, "Adam's one sin." brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners, but because of one person's obey God, many will be made righteous. So now, the perfect example that you would see of really how this relationship and how this grace relationship with the Father looks is the trust exercise. Anybody ever seen the trust exercise before? Anybody want to demonstrate that? Jordan, can you catch me? If, if you drop me, this is going to be... This is just... This is, the, this is the demonstration. Here, maybe let's go this way. Let's go this way. This is how... I am supposed to trust the Lord. I should have asked Dave maybe, hey, is that, yeah. All right, put my arms out. So this is what grace is supposed to look like throughout my life, not just for salvation, but for every area of life. Coming your way. (laughs) Yeah, jump your finger. I put deodorant on, so you're welcome. (laughs) But that right there is the look of the Christian life for everything that discerns your life. Every area, spiritually, in your mind, emotionally, physically, it's all the same look. That's the Christian, I'm not going to do it now. (laughs) That's the Christian life. That is the look of how this is supposed to be. Nowhere are you going to see, well, God, I kind of got this. And the moment you think you do, you don't. So you and I have got to learn, really, what is this faith all about? Faith is simply learning to completely depend on God. Amen. And that's my response in this life. Grace provides. Faith goes, I trust. Grace says, I did. I fall. Grace says, I will. All right. I mean, this is how it works. Have anybody seen that? You've seen the Lamb's Book of Life. Anybody seen that book? Well, how do you know your name's in it? He said it. What are you doing? I'm just trusting him and relying on him. That's how this relationship works for your business. It works for your marriage, for your children. This is how it's done. Lord, you're going to teach me all things? Okay. And I just fall back and go, Lord, I expect you to show me how this is going to work. And there's no greater delight. I mean, Jordan, weren't you just excited that I trusted you? He was thrilled. I mean, I can see he's just giddy right now in the front seat. Well, I said... I've much more as a dad when my kids just jump off of a pool place or they just off a high thing. My son Brooks doesn't even think about it. He just goes, hey, Papa, and he jumps off. I love that he trusts me. I would never go, "Hmm, teach you a lesson about gravity. Would never do that. (laughs) Tempted? Yes, that's why I'm not God. (laughs) But this is who our Heavenly Father is. You can trust him with your life. I mean, you're putting your entire eternity on just simply confessing who he is. (laughs) <laughs> okay. All right. So now what has been accomplished through Jesus' perfect obedience? Put it up on the screen, guys. Our word is? Oh, man. We'll try that one more time. What has Jesus done? It is a finished work. We say, taleo. All right. Taleo. Again, in the Greek, this word teleo, when Jesus was on the cross, he shouted out, teleo, it is finished. Now again, Psalm 22, anybody read that yet? When you read that Psalm, you would hear Jesus, what he said on the cross. And at the very end, he said, there is yet to be a generation that is to be born, and they will declare that it is finished. So you and I, we're here as the occupying army of our great king. And the occupying, what do, what do the occupying army do? We declare and we actually carry out the finished works of Jesus on this earth. He's already done all the work. My job is to simply teleo, declare, it is finished. Darkness, back off. Yeah. You can't come here. It stops right here. So this is what you and I are part of. It. it's not just... You know, for people that are on a platform, it's for everyday life. Every believer can declare, to Leo and it has to stop. That's the authority that you've been given. So now what did Jesus do? What did he accomplish? And the good news in all that is, is when you see that it's a finished work, it's not you and I try it, and no, I better, I got to do something to make sure it's finished. Meaning it is a done deal. There's nothing you and I can do. It is finished through what Jesus has done. My job is to simply respond to it. Amen. Now, this word again, Re- the first thing we said was redemption. And that word redemption is simply means to be purchased out of slavery by a ransom payment. Meaning you can't get yourself out of the slave market. Here, I'm just going to envision there's a big box right here, and there's a slave market inside that, and everything that the slave market contains. It's spiritual death, there's sickness, there's lack, there's depression, anxiety. Everything you can think of that's nasty is in this slave market, and what Jesus did is he purchased you and I out of the slave market and everything connected to it. Taleo, meaning it is a finished work. He already did it. I can't do anything to just muster out of it. Right? The world will have all these, you know, 12 steps to this, 55 steps to this. Jesus has a one-step program. And it's him. And there's nothing wrong. Of course, if there's some of the things that you got to work out, please do it. But don't do it without him. Because what the world has is just a bunch of programs. And sure, you could get help here and there, but not full-lasting Toleo finished work, until you go through this narrow gate. The moment you've accepted Jesus, everything in your world completely changes. And now, that's the hope that this world has been looking for. Maybe that's the hope that you've been looking for in any area of your life. Now, this Jesus paid the price on the cross for our salvation, and he legally purchased our freedom from the slave market and all of its effects. So now I've been purchased out of the slave market. How much you, but I've been telling the devil that quite often just recently. I've been purchased out of that slave market. You can't put me back in there. So say that with me. I've been purchased out of the slave market and everything connected to it. That includes anxiety. I've been free from that. That doesn't belong to me. Well, I got to just muster up that. No, 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 no. I need to see the finished work. Okay, now let's continue on. Colossians 1.13, I want you and I again to see these, some of my favorite verses in this Bible, because it is a complete rescue. He didn't half it, he didn't 99% it, he completely freed us, rescued us from the tyrannical rule of darkness, and then he translated us into the kingdom realm of his beloved son. Now in the son, all of our sins are canceled, Verse 14, and we have the release of redemption through his very blood. So because of the blood of Jesus, I've been set free from the tyrannical rule. Like, just think about this for a moment. What was included in this slave market? This tyrannical rule was harsh. And do you remember what it was like back in the world? Some of you remember those days. How nasty it was. How horrible it was. There's no hope. There's nothing that that you can get out. There's nothing for you there except the moment you found Jesus. Oh, man, everything changed. Now, what I want to discuss and take the time to talk about this morning is actually this doorway. The transfer from this slave market, now coming into this new kingdom that you and I are now a part of, something happened here. This doorway. Something took place in your and my life. And really, as you approach, the Bible calls that the the way to the kingdom is very narrow. Who is it? It's Jesus. There's only one way to the Father, and that is Jesus Christ Himself. Right? There's no other man between God and creation except the man Jesus Christ. Right? First Timothy chapter two will share that with us. So it's all about him. So when you come to the narrow gate and you see Jesus, you acknowledge his lordship, which we're gonna talk about in a sec, there had to have been as you were already spiritually, there had to be a death and a life at the same time. So the moment you came to this gate, something, and something went. Oh. And th- at that moment, now I want to take some time. Maybe you've heard all this. You may know this all, but I want to get it established on the inside of us because this, this realm cannot touch us. Now, right here, let's turn to John chapter 3 here for a moment, verse 1 through 6, and we're going to just talk about a man named Nicodemus here. He was a prominent religious leader among the Jews. His name was Nicodemus and he was part of the sect called the Pharisees and a member of the Jewish ruling council. Smart man, okay? Now, one night, verse two, he came to him at night discreetly to Jesus, and he said, Master, we know that you are a teacher from God, and no one performs the miracle signs that you do unless God's power is with him. Jesus answered, Nicodemus, listen to this eternal truth. So this isn't going to change. He says, before a person can perceive, say it with me, perceive, to see, okay? To see God's kingdom realm, they must first experience a rebirth, okay? So now what qualifies you and I to see the kingdom of God? Not just heaven, we're talking about even on this earth, being able to see what God is doing in this earth. See, a lot of Christians are like, I, I, I don't see nothing. You got to go back to what happened here, what, what crossed happened. You got, there was a rebirth that took place. There is rebirth. This born again experience now qualifies you to see what the world can't see. Okay, verse four Nicodemus said, Rebirth? Like, think about it from his perspective. You've probably read this a million times ago. Yeah, I'm born again. But at that time, he said, You got to get born again. I, ha, how, who? Hey, this is going to be a really awkward question with my mom. So, mom, you know, Jesus said I had to be reborn. What do you think? That's, that's what's going on in his mind. How on earth is this possible? I'm a gray-haired man. How can I go back into the womb a second time to get reborn? Jesus answered, I speak to you again, an eternal truth. Unless you are born of water, natural birth, and the spirit, the rebirth, you will never enter the king, God's kingdom realm. So everybody that's born on this, on this planet, they got 50% done. You came out of your mama's, mama's womb, right? You came out of your mother's womb. Okay, just making it clear. Mother's womb. And once you come out of your mother's womb... You're halfway there. Now what do we need? We have. That's why our message is you have to be born again. You need the rebirth. Well, what does that look like? Verse 6, he says, the natural realm can only give birth to natural things that are natural, but the spirit realm gives birth to the supernatural life. So now again, let's just imagine here for a moment, you are in this kingdom of darkness, and I have this. I'm just using this as an illustration. Here I am in my this is my black coat, but this is a demonstration of my, my spirit, okay? This is spiritually dead. And here I am. I'm, I'm here. All of a sudden, I hear the gospel of Jesus. I hear, man, this is power. This is, this is so good. He loves me. He, died. he did all this for me. And then all of a sudden, you answered an altar call. You fell on your knees, and you, you know, maybe I, I heard people have watched TV. They've tell evangelists, and they just, Lord, I give my life to you at that moment. They've met Jesus, and what takes place? A death. And at the same time, he completely, I should have just gotten a robe or something, completely now gives you a brand new nature on the inside. I have been completely, what? Reborn on the inside. Now, how does this happen? How does this death take place and this new righteous nature take place? Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 tells us how it's done. He says, if you openly declare, now notice this is, there's some specifics that you have to say, some specifics of what you have to believe. What are we openly declaring? All right, all come on. Can we do this together? What are we openly declaring? Jesus is Lord. And what do we have to believe? Oh, he's just one of the ways. No, no, no. I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. And what's the result? You will be saved. <sighs> so how did I get in? Through, oh Lord, I'll just, I'll work hard, Lord. I'm, I'm a no good nasty sinner, but I'll, I'll work hard. I'll do my best. I'll, I'll serve you. I'll, I'll do whatever I can possibly do. I'll be, I'll be nice. I'll, I'll be nice to everything that I possibly can. Even to my dog, I'll be nice. That's not what he's saying. What is he saying? You have to openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Salvation belongs to you. That's how we entered it. Anybody do that today before? Now, I don't want to take that. This is, this is huge. This is the biggest miracle that ever took place in your and my life. Is coming out of this slave market, now being entered into this glorious realm of God's kingdom, being given this right standing, being given this nature. This is how I got in. In verse 10, now notice why this is such a big deal. Because he said, It's by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. This is how this kingdom works. How does it work? I believe it in my heart, and I say it with my mouth. That's how salvation came, and that's how I got into this kingdom. Guess how this kingdom operates? By believing in my heart and by saying it with my mouth. This is the whole purpose of what the New Testament teaches. This is New Testament obedience. Is I believe what God has done through Jesus on my behalf. And I renew my mind to it to the point that I openly declare and I actually start believing this stuff. Okay, we still doing okay? Yeah. All right. Okay, now let's go to Romans chapter six. And I wanna take some time reading Romans six for us because Romans six is, a, is an amazing book. But there's, in the book of Romans, you see this word sin talked about 48 times in the book of Romans. And in Romans chapter 6, particularly in the New King James Bible, you'll see that this word sin is said eight times, but only one time is it used a little bit differently in the sense of a verb. There is two words in the Greek for sin, and I want to give them to you. Number one is this. Romans 6, one word is hamartia, and that is a noun meaning your old sinful nature. Okay, And then the second word is hamartia, Hamoratano, which is a verb or the action of sinning, of doing the deed, yeah. right? This is an example. Matthew chapter 18, 21, Peter came to Jesus and said, How often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? That word sin is the action. Hamoratia, how many times, if he's going to keep doing this to me, keep doing it, how many times do I got to forgive him? Yeah. So it shows the verb, the action. Whereas now, hammer, uh, hammer, Oh, sorry, hamoratia is the noun. Hamaratano is the verb. And now if I go back, the noun, the old sinful nature, this is what John the Baptist said when he saw Jesus. He said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's not talking about the verbs. He's talking about the nature. Okay? Now, as you read Romans 6, we have to accurately read the word of God and find out what does he actually say. So look at Romans chapter 6, verse 1. It says this, so what do we do then? Do we persist in sin so that God's kindness and grace will increase? Now, I don't know about you, but when I, when I read this scripture, when I see do we persist in sin, we would read this in a verb tense. Do, I, do we keep on sinning the verb so that God's grace and kindness would, would increase? But what he's actually saying, this word sin is a noun. Hamaritano, meaning what shall we say then? Shall we continue in the old sinful nature so that God's king, kindness and grace will increase? And he goes on in verse two. What a terrible thought. Why? Because what has happened is, I have. this is the old nature here. He says, should I continue to go back and let this old nature dominate me? Of course not. That, that thing's dead. So let's read this. I want you to read that every time you see the word sin, I want you to put in there now the old sinful nature. And let's let the word of God speak for itself. Okay? What a terrible thought. We have died to sin or, come on, help me out here, the old sinful nature once and for all. As a dead man passes away from this life. So now notice this question. How could we? How could we? Say with me. How could we? How could we live any longer to sins or the old sinful nature's rule for a moment longer? Why could, it, it's dead. Verse 3, Or have you forgotten that all of us who were immersed into union with Jesus, the anointed one, were immersed into union with his death? Now, why is this such a big deal? Because to know that the nature of sin is dead? Because nat- or nature produces action. That's what it produces. The nature of man produces the action of man. Now, look at this in Ephesians chapter 2. This is what you were in the slave market. This is the, the type of nature you had that you carried. It says, Once you were dead because of your many disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, the old sinful nature, just like the rest of the world. And we go world, you guys, what's wrong with all you guys? This is their nature. The nature produces the action, and there's no far, (laughs) how far they'll go. No telling how far they're going to go. Why? Because the nature is to sin. What are they doing? Obeying the devil. Why? It's the nature, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. Verse 3 says, He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Sorry, this is verse 3. All of us used to live this way, following the passionate desires and the inclinations of our what? Of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's wrath or anger, just like everyone else. Verse 4 continues on, but I don't have that. He goes, but God, rich in mercy... And because he loved you so very much, even when you were dead, he gave you life through his son, Jesus. Woo! So now going back to Romans chapter 6. Looking here at the nature, I mean, I mean, if anybody's seen a racehorse and a mule, I mean, you, you can kind of put those two pictures up for a second, and they look, they look similar. You can take that mule and you can dress him up, you can call him a racehorse name, you can butter him up, make him look good, feed him just like a racehorse, but all of a sudden you put him behind those gates, and all of a sudden the gun goes off and they're ready to take on. The mule is going to do what a mule does. Why? It goes back to its nature. So what's had to be changed for you and I, even for the world, it's a nature issue, So it's not you have to be nice. It's not be better, do better. You know, come to church once in a while. There needs to be a nature change. And once that nature changes, what we're going to see here in chapter 4, that's when everything begins to change. Okay, we're all good here? Okay, look at this in verse 4. Now, sharing in his death, this is Romans 6, 4, by our baptism means that we were co-buried and entombed with him so that when the Father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. Verse five, we have been co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of new life. Oh, this Christian life's just so hard, just so hard. You know what that means? You don't know who you are. You haven't seen the nature that has been given to you. Verse five, he says, for since we are permanently, say it with me, permanently. permanently. Come on, y'all, permanently. permanently. Come on, what does permanent mean? I had a kid with a permanent marker. Guess what that means? It ain't coming off. It's permanent. You are permanently grafted into him to experience a death like his. Then we are, come on, say the P word. We are permanently grafted into him to experience a resurrection life like his and the new life that it imparts. Permanently. This is permanently mine. This came from Jesus. He gave it just to me. It's mine. Verse 6, could it be any clearer that our former identity, what is that? The old sinful nature is now and forever deprived of its power. Do you see? Look how, look how lame that looks. There's nothing there. For we were co-crucified with him to dismantle the stronghold of sin, not the verb, the noun, the old sinful nature. So let's read it like that. For we were co-crucified with him to dismantle the stronghold of the old sinful nature within us. It's dismantled. Now the reason why I'm bringing this out, not because you know, but you do know, but I'm just bringing it up to your memory again because it's already dead. This nature is dead. Verse, continue on. So that we could continue uh, to live so that we would not continue to live one moment longer, submitted to the old nature, there's his power. Verse 7, I don't like it so much in this translation. I want to read it to you in the New Living. It just says this, For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of the old sinful nature. Verse 8, And if we were co-crucified with the anointed one, we know that we will also share in the fullness of his life. Why? This is my nature. Come on, yo, what's your nature? There's only two options. So basically, who's your daddy? This or that? And if we were co-crucified with the anointed one, we also know that we will share in the fullness of his life. Verse 9, And we know that since the anointed one has been raised from the dead to die no more, his resurrection life has vanquished death and its power over him is finished. So now by his sacrifice, he died to the old man's, the old sinful nature once and for all. But now he lives continually to please the father. Verse 11. So now he's saying, let it be the same with you. Since you are now joined with him, you must continually. This is the problem. View yourselves as what? Dead to what? The old sinful nature and unresponsive to the old sin nature's appeal while living daily to please God. See, many times when you just read this, you think, okay, i got to stop sinning. i got to stop sinning. i got to stop sinning. Oh, I'm the, the verb. I sinned again. I sinned again. And what it does, it just perpetuates the cycle of sin. But when you realize that the nature is gone, now when you sin, it's no longer your nature. The sin now is because you want to. Oh. Oh. That's well, a little different story here, isn't it? All right, we'll get into that. Verse 12. Let me finish this first. Sin, the old sinful nature. I'm doing your job for you, so you're welcome. Sin is a dethroned monarch. Jesus did that. So that you must no longer l- give it, don't give that, an opportunity to rule over your life. Controlling how you live and compelling you to obey its desires and its cravings. <laughs> Verse 13. So then what do we do? We refuse to answer its call to surrender your body as a tool for wickedness. That means giving fingers to people. That, I, don't want, I don't want any part of my body to be used for wickedness. All right. Instead, I passionately answer God's call to keep yielding to your body to him and as one who has now experienced resurrection life, I'll continue on, guys. You you live uh, you live now for His pleasure, ready to be used for His noble purposes. And remember this: sin will not conquer you, for God already has. You are not governed by law, but governed by the reign of God's grace. So now we'll look at this here for a moment. What's y'all explaining here, Spirit? Soul and body. We've got to understand this because what happened here at this rebirth, the moment I called out to Jesus, what part of me got reborn, what part of me died, and what part of me got a rebirth? My spirit. So right now, one third of you is wall to wall perfect. You look just like him. So now you also have a soul and your soul is made up of your mind. Your will, your emotions, your feelings, it's all part of your soul. That did not get born again. And then you also have these physical bodies. Did your body get born again? No. That's coming. That's yet to come at the rapture of the church when we get out of here. You get in a brand new body and woo. I'm like, girl, you think I look good now, but man, I'll wait till resurrection day. You'll be like, whoa, son. Like, I know, I know. The Lord hooked me up with a new body. But now there's still this part of you and I that we do have a role to play in the transformation or in it being rebirthed, and that is your soul. If you don't, as a Christian, take the time in this lifelong process and this lifelong journey of changing the way you think to line up with what just happened in this new nature, you still think like the old software. God gave you a brand new spirit But the old software is still here. So that's why, again, to the world, our message is born again. Not change the way you think because they don't know how to think yet. The nature is still wrong. But now that the nature for a born-again child of God has been changed, aren't you thankful? We should be a little bit more excited that we have a born-again nature that looks just like him, y'all. Like if you don't get, this doesn't get changed, you're stuck in the slave market and that ending is hell. That ain't a pretty place. But the moment you get this thing brand new by accepting what Jesus has done through his sacrifice and the shedding of his blood is brand new. And now you are now qualified to start thinking like him. Don't let anybody talk you otherwise. Anybody that's received Jesus can think just like the father. But now you have to intentionally go after to start thinking like that because a question could be, I'm a believer in Jesus and all that he did for me, but how come I'm still doing or still living the same way that I did before? Now the only thing is, now I got a conviction on the inside of me and I feel like, oh, something's wrong. Why is that? It's because your mind has not been renewed to the new nature that you now have on the inside of you. Can we see this? So this new nature, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, says it like this. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. Brand new. Whoa, look at this. Sometimes you ladies just get a haircut. and you go, man, look, I'm looking like a whole new person. After I go to the gym, first time in the gym in like a couple months, you work out like, boy, I look good. I'm a brand new man. Well, you should see what happened to you on the inside when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You are an entirely new person. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Where did it take place? On the inside of you. So now what we are taking the time to do is changing the way our think to line up when this nature, because when I start thinking like this new nature, the body will have to follow. I'm still going, man. I'm still, still involved in pornography. I'm still watching this stuff. I'm still trapped. I gotta escape, and so I go to drugs or I'm drinking once in a while or I'm just, you know, I need that cigarette just to get a load off me. You know what you need? You need to see who you really are and what He did in you, because when you see Him, you don't want to watch that crap anymore. Why? Because I go on the inside and go, oh, I'm a brand new nature. I'm a brand new man. Now instead, because now, before you used to watch it and you go, oh, no big deal. It didn't really hurt me. Now that you're born again and every time you do it, you go, oh, what's going on? Why is this scratchy? What's, what's going on on the inside of me? Then there's this conviction. Condem- condemnation is not of the Lord. Conviction is where he goes, hey, that's not you anymore. That's not who you are. That's not what you do anymore. And so what do I need to do? I need to go, God, I need to see who I really am in your eyes. And this is why he says, all that is related to the old order, where is it? It's vanished. It's dead. Behold, everything is fresh and new. <sighs> so now what do I do? I get into this word. And every time I find an in him, in whom, in the beloved, this is now who I am. You know, one scripture, I'm going to close with this and then I'll, I'll be done. But look at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And verse 17. Verse 16, he says, aren't you aware? Nope, that's not the right verse. 17. First, First Corinthians six, seventeen, The one who joins himself to the Lord is mingled into one spirit with him. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. That's why you read it also in First John chapter 4, I believe, verse 17, is that as he is, so am I in this world. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Lord, I got this, I got this problem, I got this. He's not saying, I don't look at all these problems. He's saying your new nature is exactly like him. So what do I, you, what are, what's the whole point of everything I'm trying to get across today? And I hope that I'm getting it across. Is that this old sin nature is completely dead The nature now has been renewed, so you are exactly like him. Now, everything he is, I am. Everything he's got, I got. Everything he has, he's given it to me. That's why Jesus, you can stand beside Jesus, spiritually speaking, and go, there's no difference. This is what he made you and I to be. So we have got to take the time to start changing the way we think to line up with this nature. Because again, two verses three, three will always have to follow rather than your body taking sides with your soul, your unrenewed soul, and just doing those same old stupid things, same old slave market, doing the same things in the slave market, but now I'm a Christian, now I'm doing this, now I'm just frustrated because, Lord, I want freedom. Lord, I'm just praying for freedom. That's not how that comes. How does freedom come? You know the truth, and the truth will make you free. It's not okay. I'm gonna just. I'm gonna do my best to stop watching that pornography. I'm gonna do my best to stop smoking that. I'm gonna do my best to. That's that's not Christianity. What that is, it's Jordan. Or you know, God's behind me again, and I'm kind of. Oh, yeah, I gotta. I gotta, Lord. I, I promise to do a little bit. I'll, I'll make it work this time. I'll pray a little bit extra longer. He's saying, No, you've got to fully oh, on me and say, Lord, show me who I am. Teach me what you've done on the inside of me. I want to see who I am and that you called me to be. This is the Taleo work. But our job now is to take this Taleo and start believing like it's true in my life. I'm bored again. i say saying, I'm bored again. What does that mean? I got a brand new nature. You tired of cussing people out? I'm a Christian. Why am I still flipping the bird when I drive? Why am I still cussing somebody out? How do I get out of that? How do I get out of the right routine? You got to see who you are. It's not just all of a sudden, you know, put a little wristband on you and flick it every time. Bad, Joel. Stop saying that, Joel. That's not it. I need to see who he made me to be in this new nature. Does that all make sense? If not, Julian will answer your questions afterwards, and he'll be glad to. No, can we just take a moment? Holy Spirit, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Lord, we are so grateful that Taleo, we can declare Taleo over our lives. We declare Taleo over our church family here. And Father, in the name of Jesus, we just receive your grace. We receive your kindness towards us all through what Jesus has done on our behalf. Thank you, Lord. We receive that today in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.